This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Would you go to John chapter 17? We started something last week that we didn't get to finish. And it was the conversation about what it means, the, the glory of God and to be transformed by his glory. The word glory in the New Testament and the Old Testament combined is used 606 times, give or take, depending on which translation. Okay, let's just say for round numbers, 600 times. Do you think God might think that the glory of God is important? And if I were to ask you, like, what is the glory of God? How do you even answer that question, right? We've, we sing about the glory of God. We preach about the glory of God. But what is it? And why does it matter so much? And what does it look like in your life, like today, this morning, and tomorrow when you wake up? If it's mentioned 600 times, I would like to suggest it's because it matters to God. And if it matters to God, it, it matters to us. In, in John 17, I'm just going to read verses 24, or just verse 24, and then we'll pray. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to listen, to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you give us wisdom this morning? You, Lord, have You've put your glory inside of us. It's such a crazy thought that you would glorify us with the same glory. So this morning, we better figure out what that even means to take it as seriously as you do. And Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters in this room, but our brothers and sisters in churches around this community. I'm thinking specifically of Charlie at Gateway up the street, Lord. Uh, he's doing so many great things, and I know you love him. You love that church. You love what they're doing for Pastor Bobby up at Harpeth Community Church. What a, what a ministry of discipleship that they have. It's just amazing, and I pray that you'll be with that church family this morning. And yes, even for our own, Lord, would you be with us here today? It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. This is Jesus' last conversation and this last prayer with and for the people around him. Uh, in fact, if you're going with us to Israel in February, and by the way, I've got a couple spots left on that. If you're interested, info at conduitchurch.com. But we're going to be in the place where Jesus most likely spoke these words and prayed this prayer. It's, it's, it's incredible to, to see what it was. And anyway, but he is praying not this, these verses here in these last verses of John 17. I mean, Steve, he's praying for you. It's a crazy thought, right? Like he's like, he's not just praying for his disciples now. Like he's praying for us. Like today, like he's, you know, Jeff Kirby is on his mind and on his heart 2,000 years ago. And when he's praying, hey, I want the glory, my glory, see my glory, that my glory is in you. It's my glory is in Jeff Kirby in the same way that it's in me. Wild thought. So what I want to share with you, what I think that the Lord and the word has for us today is 
receiving his glory. We talked about that a little bit last week, seeing it and knowing it. When I say receiving it, he says that my prayer is not for them alone. Verse 20, pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, speaking to the disciples in front of him. That is you and I today who are followers of Jesus. We are the ones he is praying for. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's what happens in a place like Haiti or Kenya or even in America when you and I make an impact in the world, their immediate world. The only thing they know to do is to give glory to God for that. They're not singing and giving glory to us this morning at Restoration Church. They're giving glory to God this morning because they're seeing God move in their lives. Verse 22, this is what I want you to, if, if Lord, I mean, if, if you just want to check out and just meditate on this verse for the rest of it, that's fine by me. I feel like we could spend an eternity meditating on just this. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Amazing. Dave Dyer, God has given you the same glory, right, that he gave Jesus. Like, I, it's a mind-blowing thing, like a mind-bender. Like, what? The same glory? And what is glory? We just talked about it last week, but a quick reminder. Hebrew word for glory is the word chavod. And it means heft, weight, importance. Like, in a modern parlance, I think the closest we could come is like purpose, meaning. Like I wake up this morning and I know that I matter because God, the God of the universe, right, sent his only son to me. Like that's his glory being transferred into me because he could have chosen not to, right? And he didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. He could have erased all of us, right? And said, you know what? delete, this is not going to work, I'm starting over. But he didn't because the work of Jesus is not, like Jesus didn't create you because he needed to be happy. He didn't create you like the father because he needed to be loved. He had all the love and all the happiness in the world. He created you so he could share his joy, share his happiness, share his love. That's why he didn't wipe you out, because, or me, because he wanted to share it with us. That's the goodness. And that means that that weight, that importance, that is in us. The same that he put in Christ, he put in you and in me. And here's why that really, really matters, because we live in a world where we want to get that meaning, that purpose, let's say the word glory, and when I say glory, from here on out, just know that's what I mean, importance, heaviness, abundance, heft, like that's what I mean. Like we're in a world where we want glory. We're in a city where we literally give our left arm for glory. I was joking about it, but it's really true. Like when we moved from the farm, um, I had like a lot of people that grew around, up around the music business. I have all these gold records and past career. And, and I've got four kids. Three of them are grown up. Ethan is grown up adjacent. He's 17, although he eats like a grown up. I'll tell you what, like this raising girls thing, I can, oh, it's going to be so much cheaper now because the girls are out of the house. And then he came and Costco chicken bill, like, I don't know what the line, but it's high. Like our little Dave Ramsey little, had to get a bigger cash pocket for just Ethan's chicken. Uh, my point is none of my kids know who any of these bands are that had records hanging on my wall. Like I, we, we changed their diapers on some of their buses. 
right? But the glory that they had, the glory that I had in that era, is it's, it's why Ecclesiastes is so vapor. It was great. It was there. And I can't take it with me. It doesn't mean if that is your job or your career that what you do doesn't matter. What it means is that it's not the glory of God that comes from outside in. It's some sort of a glory that you've created from inside out. And if you're young, you're thinking this will be here forever. But if you're my age, you know, now that is just what what Solomon said. It's It's a vapor and it fleets away. So if you're trying to get glory from the outside in, it doesn't last. It can't last, which is why Jesus said, I've put your glory in them. And Paul clarifies why when he says that no flesh should glory, verse 29 of 1 Corinthians one, that no flesh should glory in his presence. It's not that God doesn't want you to have purpose and meaning and and heft and importance. It's that if you create it from your inside out, it will crush you under the weight of it because you'll spend the rest, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to find meaning and purpose from inside that makes me matter more when what I could do is get the glory and the heft and the purpose from Christ putting it in me. And what that means is that that glory, that lasts long past any gold record. It lasts past any career promotion. It lasts past any one of your lake houses or some of you got five of them. Nothing wrong with lake houses, but it will go away. And so when he says no flesh shall glory, it doesn't mean that he's a glory hog. It just means that the glory that you and I create will will buckle under the weight of it. But his glory from inside us, putting inside of us, it can put us through anything. And I know I'm talking about gold records, and for the vast majority of this room, we don't have gold records. What we have is our lives. (laughs) And what we have is we're trying to find our purpose and our meaning in our careers. We're giving glory to our career. Again, your career is important. Your, your, your kids are important. It's if you put primary importance on it, that that's what, you, that's what it means to give glory to it. To give that the primary weight and purpose in our lives is, will crush us underneath of it. And what we've seen, by the way, in just the last couple of years, three years now, Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic, I don't know what it was, but this week, I don't know if there's some publicist working against the church this week, talking about how church attendance has gone down in the last few years. And when you look at the, per, like the reasons why, and this is true in the Atlantic article and the Wall Street Journal article and the New York Times article, is some variation of this idea that American lives are so busy right now. And if you hear any shame from me at all, that is not my intention. The gospel is shame off us, not shame on us. But the point, what I want to share with you is that if we have no time to gather as Jesus people. Keeping in mind, we fought for the right to gather as people, okay? I didn't do that for you, and I'm not asking you to pay me back just because, by the way, it's full. So, you know, that's why I'm not shaming anybody. Y'all get it. You're here. But the point being that the reason why people were walking away from church had way more to do not with they don't believe in God anymore. Uh, It has not much to do with... uh, they're struggling with their faith. It's just that they got too dadgum busy. That, that's what every article shares with us. And look, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at Luke. I mean, you got kids, you got a career. Like, it's hard to get everybody in the minivan. Hard to get everybody here. I get it, and I want to thank everybody that does that and gets here. 
but it's not just for a show. I mean, if it is, you could get a whole lot better show in this town, I assure you. There are a lot better looking pastors in this town with way better lights and way better fog machine. So if it's about the show, you're already in the wrong place. (laughs) It's about, we are the church, we're Jesus' people. And if God commanded it, it's for our good, it's for our flourishing, which is why you would think then, what would the numbers show, the data show in America for those who are not a part of a regular local church? And the fact is, is the answer shows that those are our healthcare workers, Tammy, I remember like in the thick of pandemic stuff, like you, you were here and you're in the middle of all these crazy restrictions and trying to navigate the waters with other medical people. And there were many nurses in this room, many medical professionals in this room that continued on that road. And the numbers show that medical professionals in March, April, May, 2020, 2021, that regularly attended church, their mental health was better, not worse. And by the way, not just medical professionals, that's true across the board. When Jesus says, right, uh, his church, the gates of hell will not prevail. When Hebrews says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some do, as, but it's, there's a reason for it. It's for our good, it's for our flourishing. And what you see here is that regular churchgoers top Gallup's mental health poll. Democrats bring the rear up. Now that doesn't mean just because you're a Democrat, you're not a Christian, but the numbers are very clear in, I'm just doing the numbers. If you're mad about this, you can, you can blame the polls. The vast majority right, of mental health right now fall in the Democrat category. And part of that is not because they're Democrats, but it's, there's an ideology that says that my purpose and my meaning comes from inside and that my government is going to save me. And so I don't have to be around other people, other Jesus people especially. That isn't all Democrats. I'm not saying that, okay? If that's what you heard me say... I'll say it again. That's not make you a Christian or not a Christian based on how you vote. What I am saying is that that's what the numbers say. And across the board for the last three years, every, literally every category, any way that you could divide it up, mental health, emotional health went downhill except for one category. And that was category was those who reported regular church attendance. And when you parse those numbers, it doesn't mean just showing up, right, buying a ticket and getting your coffee. It actually means attending means praying together, being together, serving the Lord together. There's a reason why loneliness is killing people. The the Surgeon General this year reported that loneliness is as dangerous as smoking cigarettes. So we'll shame somebody burning down a a box of of, uh, menthols But the fact is, is loneliness will kill way more people in this world than a cigarette will. And loneliness, isolating yourself off, the church is one of the greatest places, the greatest ways to reverse those trends. You're like, Darren, how do I even get connected in a church like this? How do I serve? One of the best ways to get connected is to serve. One of the best ways to get connected is in a 242 group. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's too many of you, so I can't make you do anything. I don't want to. I got enough problems on my own. Right? I've been fixing my own stuff. But I am asking you to consider if I'm struggling with loneliness, if I'm struggling with this kind of thing, is it because God wants to move me into connection and mission with him? Does he want to transform me, not by my glory, but by his glory? Now, receiving his glory, we receive it from each other. We receive it from Christ. We receive it from Christ first, right? Christ in those around us, we receive the glory of him inside of us. 
But receiving it isn't enough. We need to be able to see it, see it in ourselves, see it in each other. He says, I want, this is his prayer. Father, I want those you've given me, I want them to be with me and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. To, to see his glory. One of the places that we see it, it's one of the reasons why he refers to unity, right? This is the thing that unifies us, is we can see his glory not only in ourselves, but in those around us, those Jesus people in this room right now. The glory of God is in every single follower of Jesus in this room. Paul would use that phrase in 2 Corinthians that so we are a jar of clay, right? This, I hold this treasure in jars of clay. That treasure is the glory of God. And I love the way that C.S. Lewis worded this. He, he does what he always did. I, you know, I want to, like, I got, I got a thousand years I want to spend in heaven sitting next to C.S. Lewis. He can smoke his pipe. I don't care. I just want to sit and listen to him be smart. But this is what he wrote decades ago. I'm just going to start on the uh, second paragraph. It is in light of these overwhelming possibilities. This is from the book, The Weight of Glory. Could not recommend it more. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct our dealings with one another. All friendships, all love, all play, all politics, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, Haiti, the U.S., cultures, Western culture, art, civilizations, these, they're mortal and if you don't believe that, when we go to Israel, you're going to walk on the graves of those who tried to kill Christians 2,000 years ago. They're dead and gone, right? They're, their entire world is dead and gone, and I paid 10 bucks to walk on their grave as a Jesus follower. You've never talked to a mere mortal, but it is immortals with whom we joke with, we work with, we marry, we snub, we exploit. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. One of the ways that the enemy tries to destroy, first, it seems to me, I don't know if this is a pattern, but it seems to be, is first through provision. I mean, think about it. Like you guys in, in Kenya, like we're working so hard to try to figure out how to pay for this. And then eventually the enemy realizes, well, I can't, I can't squeeze it out of him because the God keeps providing for him. And then the next things he does is it starts with division from the inside. So if it's not provision from the outside, it's division from the inside. You know? In the early days of conduit, I mean, we were driving this beat-up trailer. We had a sound. This sound system was so embarrassing. Keeping in mind, I'm like the rock and roll guy. We should have had the best sound system in town. Our sound system was so large that you could have used it like one of those laying on a bed of nails things, but it was like little knobs instead. We couldn't even give it away, hardly. Like it was one of those Craigslist, come get it, and nobody wanted it. We finally managed to get it out. But the point is we couldn't afford anything else. That's all we had. We were giving all our money to Haiti. Yeah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and that's why you saw it a minute ago. I have no regrets about that. But the enemy from the outside could not destroy us by squeezing off provision. So what you'll see in a church our size right now is to try to squeeze us from the inside with division. So if you see you're mad at somebody in this church, in this room, and maybe they legitimately hurt you, right? But that's the thing about forgiveness. It's not for earnness, right? Forgiveness means you gotta give it, not that they gotta earn it. 
They got the glory of God inside of them. You can see their glory. You can see his glory in them. And if you can do that, man, it sure helps to take the edges off. It's the reason why Jesus or the, uh, Paul called it a jar of clay, right? Not a, not a container of fine gold and whatever, because we all got cracks, right? I'm a crack pot and so are you. <laughs> but inside that crack pot that you didn't invite to the birthday party is the glory of God. Inside that crack pot that you won't talk to because you got your feelings hurt, and they may have done something to you. That's the glory of God in them. They didn't vote the way you wanted. The glory of God is inside of them. Think long and hard before you impugn the character, online or in person, of the glory of God, a container of the glory of God inside of you. Think long and hard. Because let me tell you what, when you mess with my kids, hell hath no fury, like a Darren's child scorned. You mess with my wife, whole. I'm, not the, I'm just a scrappy little white trash guy. I might die trying, but I will die defending the honor of my wife. What do you think God thinks when we are shooting at his bride? There's plenty of real enemies in the world, and they're not sitting next to you. The glory of God. See the glory of God inside those sitting beside you. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You can see the glory of God in each other and you can see the glory of God in the trials and the suffering that is right in front of you. If you're not careful, you will be transformed by your suffering into something that is terrible. But if you will allow Christ to transform you in your suffering, transformed by Christ, not transformed by your suffering. The stuff that you guys experience on a day-to-day -day journey. I'm, I know, Casey, you guys have gone through a lot this year. And if you aren't careful, right, the, the suffering will transform you into something that is terrible and bitter and cynical. But if you will allow Christ to be with you in your suffering, then Christ transforms you into his image, not into the image of your suffering. If you're giving glory to your suffering, then you will be transformed by your suffering into more suffering. But if you're transformed by Christ, then even in your suffering, you will be transformed by him into his image, which is why it matters when he says that all we've, this is 2 Corinthians 3.18, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Well, by the way, that word uh, uh, contemplate, looking, it's, it's a word that I've, I've looked at a hundred commentaries, it seems like, and they all have a different word because we really don't have a word for it. But what it means is looking in a mirror. Like Darren Foster, when you look in a mirror now and there's no beard, right? You look at yourself very carefully now. True story. I walked right by Darren Foster at an airport. I know Darren, okay? I know him, know him. But he shaved his beard. I walked right, literally walked right by him. If he is hiding from the law, this is the way to go because I didn't know him. <laughs> because the beard is gone. But when you look in the mirror for the first time after a transition, you, what do you, you look closely and carefully. If you looked at the person sitting next to you the way that you look in a mirror, you're going to get punched. Do you know what I mean? Because we look in a mirror carefully. Like we're looking at, oh, I didn't see that before. Well, that's a zit. I'm 52 years old. Did you know you get zits at 52? I don't know what lying middle school, whatever, but somehow I had this idea that I'd be 52 and no more popping zits. That's wrong. But you look into that's the looking into the glory of God like you are looking into a mirror. That's what he's talking about. If you look at God's glory in the Word, look at God's glory in the gospel, that 
will transform you. And if you, anything you're going to give that kind of glory, if you're looking at your suffering the way that you should be looking at the glory of God, you're going to be transformed. I'm going to be transformed in the image of my suffering, not into the image of Christ. And to make it even more clear, that's why Romans 8 tells us, right? At the very end, he says, he also glorified But in the process, he says, all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I used to preach, I used to teach in a way that felt like every time I get a bad thing, a good thing's gonna happen. That's happened in my life a lot, where something good happened, even though God, something bad happened. But that's not what the promise says. Because many in this room, you have had a lot of bad things and you're still waiting for the good thing in exchange. I'm about to give you the good thing. Verse 29. Those God foreknew, he also predestined, listen, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He talks about Jesus. You, your suffering, whatever thing that you're struggling with or going through, is not gonna give you a good thing for every bad thing. It's gonna transform you into the image of Christ. And if there's any one throughout history that I want to look like, it's Christ. And how beautiful is it that in a world where there's suffering like there is in Haiti, where there's suffering like there is in our own country, that Christ is not going to waste it. He's going to leverage it and use it. Your pain has been seen and it is not going to be wasted. Don't glorify it. Don't buy into the temptation to glorify your suffering. Glorify Christ in your suffering and you'll be transformed into his image. And the way that works is in this way. He says, righteous father, verse 25, through the, though the world doesn't know you, they don't know him. We should be expect to be rebuked and to be cast out and to be marginalized. We've had it happen. I mean, voodoo priests, when we move into town with the church, you think they're thrilled? No. And that's happening in our country. You think the people that are controlling media at the top tier, they're excited about us? You can look at the numbers. That's not true. They're not. And the reason they're not is we represent a threat to the power that they hold. But to know his glory isn't to go down and take our pitchforks and torches and march around the Capitol. The best way to speak out against any of that is to start with knowing his glory. I know you and they know that you have sent me. Verse 26, I have made you known to them, will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Seeing, receiving his glory and knowing his glory. Knowing it, meaning that I know him. I know his glory glory. I know what it means to be. It's why so many in this room, you did not shut down when the world said to shut down because you knew the glory of God. You're way more, you have way more fear of the Lord than you ever could for a fear of man. (laughs) You understand that, you understand that Satan and God aren't equals, right? I love the end of Revelation. Jesus can't even be bothered to get off the throne. You know what I'm saying? He sends an angel to throw him into the pit of hell for the for return. It's like, can you take care of him and tell him to shut up? Shut that dragon up. It is, it's, he's not an equal, right? Of God before you, who can be against you? I would say that in our world, this is a, I have anecdotal evidence to this. Most people that, that fold like a napkin under pressure, you're actually not as afraid of Satan as you are afraid of the fear of man. I'm afraid what they're going to say to me. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my standing in this community. Yes, you probably will. 
but the glory of God. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians? Uh, this, this current light thing that I'm going through is nothing compared to the glory that awaits me. This nation will pass away. This world will pass away. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth, right, that he's creating. But you and I, we go on forever. And I love this, what, again, C.S. Lewis, what he said, to please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pity. Do you understand that? God didn't pity you. He loves you. He didn't look down and say, man, Darren, buddy, I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> you were dumber than a bag of hammers, man. You gotta, he, didn't, he didn't come at me from pity, right? I love that he loves me just the way I am, and I love that he loves me too much to let me stay that way. To be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or as a father in a son, it seems impossible, a weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But so it is. He looks on every one of us. looks on Pat Kirby and says, man, this is my masterpiece. My son just got done building a, a Porsche from Legos which apparently is not a thing children do anymore. It's a thing young men do, is to build Porsches out of Legos. And I promise, when he got done with that, he was so proud, he was so excited. I can say this because he's not here, he'd probably be embarrassed. And he didn't watch the live stream, so we know we're good. He was here for a service. As proud as he was to show that off, God is proud to show you off. We're in a world right now that does not know the glory of God. They don't know him, but you do. And I was, uh, I was reminded this week in the words of, I want to show you a, something that Jim Caviezel shared in a recent interview that I think sums up perfectly when we're faced with the choice between letting the glory, us glorifying the world, glorifying the world around us between that and the glory of God, I think Caviezel sums it up perfectly here. I, I heard this a long time ago, and it goes, it, your name may not appear down here in this world's hall of fame. In fact, you may be so unknown that no one knows your name. The Oscars and the praise of men may never come your way, but don't forget God has rewards that he'll hand out someday. This crowd on earth, they will soon forget when you're not at the top. They'll cheer like mad until you fall, and then their praise will stop. Not God, he never does forget. And in his hall of fame, by just believing on his son, forever there's your name. I tell you, friend, I wouldn't trade my name, however small, that's written there beyond the stars in that celestial hall. For all the famous names on earth or the glory that they share, I'd rather be an unknown here and have my name up there. So take it from Jesus. <laughs> That's from the interview that YouTube took down last month. One of the greatest ideas, I mean, I'd like share that with everybody. There's a reason why they don't want us to see that. There's a reason why the enemy doesn't want us to see that. And there's a reason why a guy like Caviezel would risk everything. And by the way, it didn't start with this movie, Sound of Freedom. He lost so much when he played Jesus. It was a career move that he knew was a career ender. But the only eyes of the universe that matter, they're looking on you 
with love, with happiness. There are times in this world right now, and there are probably educators in this room, and I pray that you'll stay in those public schools as long as is possible. But there's probably coming a time where they're going to ask you to violate your own conscience and the word of God, and you'll have to make that decision. It's between you and Jesus. But the fact is, is there are some of us, some of you in this room, that there are gonna be careers that are gonna be unavailable to us because they're going to demand that we put the word of God behind us. There are platforms with technology they are gonna remove us because of the word of God, and I say, go for it. Because the only eyes of the universe that matter are looking on you and me, they're looking on Ivan, right? They're looking across this room at Joel and saying, I love you and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Any glory of man this side of heaven is going to fade. If you've lived long enough, you already know that. But the glory of God is eternal. Derek, every one of those bands that you're working with, man, they're doing amazing things out in the world and 10 years from now, your little babies aren't gonna have any idea who any of them are but they're gonna know who their daddy is and they're gonna see the glory of God in their daddy and the glory of God in our father looking on their daddy. That's what they're gonna see. That's the greatest track we can. <laughs> I know the chick tracks are great reading in a bathroom, but the most effective track that you could ever give of the gospel is your life and the glory of God inside it. Stand to your feet, I wanna pray for you. And if you don't know what a chick track is, Google it. Prayerfully, don't forget, prayerfully consider how can I help with my brothers and sisters in Haiti. They're gonna give glory to God this week for what you do this morning. Father, your spirit is here. I believe it with all of my heart. I know it. You're two or three are gathered. You're here in the midst of us. Might we be a church that brings glory to you? Might we be a group that brings glory to you? Might we not put all of our weight, all of our glory into things that don't last and don't matter? Yeah, let us enjoy our careers. That's, you've given us work to be for you. That's a good thing, but let's not put our weight on it and all the glory into it because it'll transform us into the image of our work. Be transformed into the image of those around us that think differently than us. Be transformed into our suffering. No, we want to be transformed as we look into the glory of God. That will transform us into your image. That's real. It's right in front of us. Would you make it so in us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.